Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Avatar. You Jake Sully? I'd like to talk to you about a fresh start on a new world. You'd be making a difference. I became a Marine for the hardship. I told myself I can pass any test a man can pass. All I ever wanted was a single thing worth fighting for. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not in Kansas anymore. You are on Pandora. You should see your faces. We have an indigenous population called the Navi. They are very hard to kill. This is why we're here. Because this little gray rock sells for 20 million a kilo. Their village happens to be resting on the richest deposit and they need to relocate. Those savages are threatening our whole operation. We're on the brink of war, and you're supposed to be finding a diplomatic solution. The concept is to drive these remotely controlled bodies called avatars. They're grown from human DNA, mixed with DNA of the natives. Marine in an avatar body. That's a potent mix. You get me what I need, I'll see to it. You get your legs, Ben. Your real legs. Hell yeah, sir. Looks like you. This is your avatar. Just relax and let your mind go blank. It shouldn't be hard for you. Jake, it's real simple. I want you to learn from the inside. I want you to gain their trust. You should not be here. Go back. All this is your fault. I need your help.
us a message that they can take whatever they want. But we will send them a message. That this... This is our land! Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Avatar, and the story is as follows. On the lush alien world of Pandora lived the Na'vi, beings who appear primitive but are highly evolved. Because the planet's environment is poisonous, human Na'vi hybrids called Avatars must link to human minds to allow for free movement on Pandora. Jake Sully, a paralyzed former marine, becomes mobile again through one such avatar and falls in love with a Navi woman. As a bond with her grows, he is drawn into a battle for the survival of her world. The film is starring Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Sigourney Weaver, Giovanni Risby, Michelle Rodriguez, and Stephen Lang. It is written and directed by James Cameron. And here to join me today for this Patreon throwback review from 2009, I have Lauren LaMagna. Hello. Returning to the show, once again, we have Brendan Hodges. Hey there. We also have Alyssa Christian. Hello. And returning to the podcast as well, Giovanni Lago. Hello, hello. And for the first time on the podcast here, Meredith Loftus. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, thank you all for being here. I love that we have so many fresh new voices here for this review, especially considering uh, this movie in a lot of ways is a global film that has touched the lives of millions of people. It's a movie that focuses on environmentalism, uh, specifically also too is highlighting indigenous cultures and really formulating a connection with our uh, spiritual um, connection to the world around us. It really became a cultural phenomenon uh, after its 2009 release, and here we are now, 13 years later, talking about the sequel, which will be in theaters in a couple of days' time, Avatar The Way of Water. But in the lead-up to Avatar, James Cameron was, and, and still is, one of the biggest filmmakers in the world, but really at the peak of his popularity following the all-time success of Titanic, Highest grossing film of all time at that current point in history until, of course, he would beat himself uh, with Avatar eventually upon its release, winning 11 Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director for James Cameron. But that was in 1997. It took, once again, 12 years. This guy sure knows how to take his time between projects to develop the technology, the visual effects and to conceptualize the world of Avatar, specifically Pandora, the Navi language, so much went into just the R&D, the research and development for this movie, that in the years leading up to its release, the technology from movies like Lord of the Rings and a few others, visual effects-wise, had finally been able to catch up for performance capture to take this gigantic leap forward, and thus, one of the most successful films of all time was born. This many years removed from it, and now with the sequel about to come out in a few days' time, what do we think of Avatar this many years later? Why don't we first start off with our newest guest, Meredith. Meredith, general thoughts, uh, what do you think of Avatar? Yes, so uh, when I first initially saw Avatar, um, like so many audience members, I really was blown away by the visuals. Uh, You know, it was such a unique experience to watch, uh, watch it in 3D and to feel very immersed by this, uh, by the world of Pandora. Um, but story-wise, like it wasn't something I necessarily like was in love with. 
Um, I grew up on Pocahontas and uh, Fern Gully. And so when I watched the movie, I was like, yeah, I like this is a story that's been kind of like told before, um, but it was done in a way that was, you know, unique to James Cameron. And so um, I actually just recently watched it again, you know, for the lead up to uh, The Way of Water. And I got to say, like, for an okay story, like, it's so really enjoyable. And even like the, for a two hour, 40 minute movie, like it goes by really fast and you just can't help but be like swept up in the world uh, that James Cameron immersed himself in for 12 years in making Avatar. So I like it. I, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I just aggressively like it. All right. Kicking it over next to Brendan Hodges. Brendan, how about yourself? What do you think of James Cameron's Avatar? Well, I am happy to say that I love Avatar. I am an Avatar head. I am Pandora pilled, etc. <laughs> uh, generally speaking, I'm a huge James Cameron guy. And I saw this movie in IMAX in 2009 at release. And like Meredith was saying, parts of that experience blew my mind. And I think that the late Roger Ebert put it very well when he described his experience with Avatar and IMAX 3D, kind of like what it must have been in 1977 to see Star Wars. Um, it really had that profound of an impact on me. And in the intervening years, I know that the movie hasn't aged perfectly for everybody, but I've watched it at home many times. I do have a 3D TV, which helps perhaps, because I do think it is a, actually a better movie in 3D in some ways. Um, but generally, I, I think that the film has been looked at a little bit unfairly in some respects. Yes, as Meredith was saying, it is derivative of Fern Gully or Pocahontas or Dances with Wolves. But I think what makes it different for me is that it's a movie that takes you from the point of view of a militaristic, kind of morally corrupt grunt and brings you by the end of the film to see the human species as alien in this kind of anti-colonial, pro-environmental way. And that's a pretty unique accomplishment to have us start from a human point of view and end the film looking at the human species as the aliens, as the sky people, right? And I think that the way he pulls that off is just to really make it a almost waking dream, um, hyper-immersive experience. Michael Mann described his 2006 movie Miami Vice. He wanted Miami to kind of be like an opiate, and I think that that's kind of the Pandora effect on the viewer in the movie. Um, it's not necessarily a narrative-driven film. The story, I think, is good. But really, I think the story is trying to get us to a point where we're in this kind of um, heightened, highly subjective state, going through this emotional journey through this beautiful planet and world that is actually, I think, quite a bit weirder than some people suggest. I mean, it's a movie about a hive mind planet where people mind meld with animals through their hair. <laughs> it's a, There's a lot of fairly unique conceptual stuff in this that I think is as influenced by Japanese anime as, you know, the movies that we mentioned before. And I guess I'll just end by saying, I also think that just on a visual language level, 
the action sequences, the flying scene, the mecha versus um, uh, Thanator scene at the end, all of that stuff, I think is just some of the most beautiful filmmaking that we've seen in decades. And I think James Cameron knows how to make these big, beautiful worlds, but his camera, I think, is so important to them. And his camera almost has a musical quality to it that brings you into that world to make you feel like you're really there. And I think without 3D, the big sound, the big screen, that immersive quality hasn't been as present for people at home. And I think that's one reason it may not have aged the best for some people, but I love Avatar and I can't wait to see The Way of Water. Okay. Alyssa Christian, on to you. Okay. Well, I don't know if I would go so far as to say that I love it, but I definitely really, really, really like it. So I would say that it's definitely a technical masterpiece. Even, you know, watching it on my TV at home on Disney Plus, it still looks amazing. And you know, the more I watch it, the more I can pick up on some nitpicky things that don't really make sense, you know, narratively, as, you know, we all realize that James Cameron is not the best at dialogue, and even in Titanic, which is <laughs> one of my favorite movies of all time, he's still not great with the dialogue. But I still have always enjoyed the spectacle of it, obviously, and I remember seeing it in the theater and I actually don't think that I saw it in 3D, oddly enough, probably the only person who didn't see it in 3D because wow. I was not. Yeah, I know. It's very strange because I guess I wasn't really a big fan of the, the whole 3D thing. So I was trying to do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. But anyway, still, I obviously still really enjoyed it. And uh, I still think it holds up pretty well. And you know, the story is very basic. It's a super basic story. And yeah, it may have, you know, ripped off a little bit some of other movies, but it still really works for me overall. And it is long. And sometimes you do feel the runtime. But for the most part, with the action scenes, especially, it really does go at a, a pretty solid pace and i also want to shout out some of the performances in this too and we'll probably get into more detail later but you know zoe saldana especially is really great in this so i'm happy where her career took off after that obviously she was already kind of well known then but sam worthington that he was an unknown actor and then all of a sudden he just kind of made some weird movie choices so it's a bummer that he hasn't really you know taken off in his career as people might have hoped so yeah, I obviously am a huge fan of it overall. I think uh, I remember my brother was like the biggest fan of it at the time. And he probably still is a much bigger fan of it than I am. And overall, I think, you know, it's still, like I said, I think it still really holds up very well. All right. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. 
We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Giovanni Lago, we're up to you, sir. What do you think of Avatar? Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I just rewatched it um, yesterday because it was like the first time I've seen it. So when the movie came out, I was like 10. So like I was in a theater, 3D glasses on, ready to be like, I've been hearing about this movie and you know, you go and you're just, you know, James Cameron does what James Cameron does and he creates spectacle and you're just immersed in this whole like new world. And I mean, yeah, the story is a bit familiar and even on a rewatch you seem bad, but like you can't help but just be in awe of like the whole purpose of just like, just turn off your mind and just be like, go for the ride. Like, you know, just, you have to feel it, you know? And it's, um, you just really enjoy the time you have, like being immersed in this new world and, and, and seeing what uh, Cameron really dedicated his every like minute detail to like the, the flora, to the animal species, to the way um, the gestures of people interact with each other on uh, the Navi, you know, and I, I do agree that like the film's reputation over the past decade, you know, is maybe a bit harsh especially now looking at the state of film now and most big budget studio films that come out and and we kind of like look back and like we kind of had it good with avatar compared to some of the stuff we got now and i think that's a, a big reason why people are actually still very excited for way of water and um I just think, you know, going back on this like little trip memory lane, watching it again. And and, and I agree with what Alyssa said, you know, like Zoe Zaldana is like really good in this movie. Like I was watching again and I noticed more like I forgot like so many people like West Studi's in this. I totally forgot. I'm just watching. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this is great. And Stephen Lang is like the most perfect like 80s like movie villain to be like military type. So like, I mean, it's got everything that. I personally like dig in a movie. So I, I, I still really enjoy it. I don't know if I would say love. I don't know if I would say this is like in in terms of, of Cameron's filmography where I'm like ranking it higher enough, but like I still really enjoy it. And it's a film that's like still very rewatchable. It glides by for how long it is. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Glides by. Ha! Oh, Giovanni's wow. riding a banshee over here, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lauren saved you for last. What do you think of Avatar? So I think it's just okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, um, I think James Cameron is the best filmmaker ever. He is my favorite director. Um, he created my favorite character of all time. And my favorite two films, number one and two, are James Cameron films. So I like the guy. I think he knows how to make a good movie, especially for a science fiction diehard like myself. And I think the reason why... I really connect with this director is that I think he's a simple filmmaker at the end of the day, which is not something you would say with a blockbuster filmmaker. But I think on the macro level, it's very simple. His stories are very simple, as a lot of people on the podcast have said, which I think makes it work and makes audiences, especially mass audiences, identify with at least a character or mainly the protagonist. And I think that's What's really cool about it is the upper level would get very specific on the micro level, where the technology and the world building and the scope of the actual film. And I think it's a I think it's a great film. It's not my favorite Cameron film. It's probably in the upper mids for me, but I think 
it shows it shows how Cameron builds as a filmmaker within all of his films. You could see him as an artist build towards his next project, um, which I really like. And I bet if you love a filmmaker, you see it in those their works as well. But with specifics from, you know, characters to set pieces to specific shots and beats, you do see his other installments in Avatar, which is cool to see a filmmaker work and think and how their previous films leads to what they're doing now, which I think is really cool. And I think that's what makes Avatar really cool is that it's simple yet not at the same time. And he makes, even because of that, his weak elements are good, even with, you know, everyone says his dialogue isn't the best, but like it's bad in a good way. I don't know how to describe it other than that. Like we're laughing at the cheesy dialogue instead of cringing, which I think is a hard thing to do. So I just think um, his world building is great. I think you can really see his career through the piece. And I think it's a really good film that people can just latch onto and either get these really intense conversations and talk about, you know, colonialism and environmentalism and the earth and what it means, or just turn their brain off and enjoy the spectacle that it is. And I think that is what makes Cameron such a great blockbuster filmmaker. And I'm really excited to discuss that all in more detail with you all. So when this came out in 2009, I had never seen a 3D movie before. So heading into the movie theater to watch this, my mind was completely blown away. I was startled and I just was in awe. I had never seen anything like this before. And so as a result of that, I ended up seeing Avatar in the theater paid, might I add, back then five times. I just kept on going back (laughs) all 160 plus minutes and I couldn't get enough of it. Now, what's funny is that the complaints that I had about the movie back then are still true today, which is um, I have always felt like James Cameron has struggled with dialogue throughout his entire career. And I'm going to get into that in a little bit here because I actually have some theories I want to kind of toss around about just him as a storyteller and as a filmmaker, like you were saying, Lauren, because I do think he is a simple storyteller, but a filmmaker in terms of how he's always constantly pushing the envelope in terms of technology, visual effects, exhibition and how a film gets shown in theaters and creating an experience that for anyone that's buying a ticket will be worth it. There's blockbusters and then there are our tour driven blockbusters. And when you get the latter, like last year with Denis Villeneuve's Dune and, you know, in this case, this year with James Cameron's uh, sequel, Way of Water and anything James Cameron has done throughout his entire career. There is a passion, a sense of scale, and an immersiveness to the storytelling, uh, the technicality of what you're seeing on screen. He makes the experience worth it. So even if you have like these qualms about the writing, the characters, the story, whatever, whatever it is, you still walk away from it feeling somewhat satisfied. I think it's kind of telling that in listening uh, to just these opening general thoughts here, no one outright hates the movie. And those who do out there, I mean, I can understand. At the same time, I think even those who hate the movie would have to concede that the movie on a technical front is a marvel. It was a marvel at its time. And yeah, technology has advanced pretty far in the last 12 years. And there have been a lot of... uh, There have been a lot of crappy blockbusters also made since then in the last 12 years as well. The entire industry has changed. So in that regard, like going back to revisit Avatar for this review, 
I saw that there was some aging in the visual effects, but on a storytelling level and in just in a way that there is this uh, considerable amount of effort that is put into the world building. It is something that I don't feel like I'm seeing that often with other blockbusters today. I still very much prefer my blockbusters to mix practical with CGI and not go so full tilt into CGI, which I do feel like Avatar uh, most certainly does, considering all of Pandora is completely uh, created within a digital environment. But yet, but yet, I admire, I just admire, admire, admire the balls on James Cameron and his crew to push the envelope to provide something that a film-going audience has never seen before. Now, I want to segue into James Cameron here, because, Lauren, I really like what you were saying here about, like, James Cameron, the filmmaker, the storyteller. I, I've always wondered this about James Cameron throughout his entire career, and I want to get some feedback here on what you all think about this. I sometimes wonder, is it that his screenplays are deliberately simple, or is this truly just the capacity that he really has to write characters, dialogue, story? And when I say deliberately simple, I think it's no surprise that for a guy that dives down to the ocean uh, for deep sea exploration for fun, he would be more interested in the technology uh, that goes into a uh, you know, creating his movies. It seems like every movie he makes, there are like, you know, 50 different patents being made all the time. And so I'm always curious to know if like, does he just simply prioritize that aspect of it in the process? Or, or is he deliberately making the story simple enough, creating spectacle so that the themes of the movie actually click for audiences more? Thus, you don't have to, as an audience member, have to get so cerebral with it, and you don't have to like necessarily work hard to understand what the movie's actively trying to tell you. Yeah, I, I, Matt, I think it's all the latter. In particular with Cameron, I think that he adheres to that axiom about screenplays where screenplays are really blueprints for movies. They're not meant to be pieces of literary merit in isolation. They're not meant to be read in a vacuum. They are blueprints to make movies. And I think in the case of Cameron, he writes his screenplays so that he can make these big screen emotional experiences that do have these thematic ideas under the surface and I think that for him, even going back to Aliens or The Terminator or Terminator 2 or The Abyss, very clearly what he's trying to do, I think, is bring as many people as possible into that experience. He wants to have as wide of an audience as possible. And yes, some might say he dumbs down the dialogue to achieve that, um, or he makes the plot beats somewhat familiar that's fair. I, I think that is what he's doing. Um, but I, I think what he's chasing is he's trying to design his films around a specific lens or the specific vision of how he wants the audience to be emotionally engaged with the story. And I think in most cases, his imagination just runs beyond what technology allows at the time. Um, and obviously Titanic is probably as good of an example of that or, or Terminator 2 is as good of an example of that as Avatar. Um, that, that I just genuinely think that 
for him, it's all about story and theme and everything else for him is just kind of toys. I was going to agree with that as well, because I don't think that James Cameron is, you know, bad at dialogue in general. I think that, you know, if you compare him to, say, George Lucas, who it's actually bad at writing dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) No offense to George Lucas, but seriously, I think that, yeah, James Cameron is doing it because he just wants it to be simple. And like Brendan said, he wants to attract a large audience. And he's also using a lot of brain power and skill and time and money, et cetera, and the, the technical stuff. So it's not like he's not interested in creating meaningful dialogue, as far as I know. I mean, I can't read his mind, but <laughs> just guessing from, you know, his personality and his talent and all that, I, I would agree with that. Hey, everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our 2009 review for Avatar here on the Next Best Picture podcast. In order to get the full-length, over two-hour-long review, you will have to head on over to our Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get the rest of this review and other exclusive podcast content from us as well. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.